Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So as Demi Lovato would say, sorry, not sorry. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. How are we doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing real good. It's been a good, well, no, it's been a week. It's been a week in pop culture news and we'll get into it. It's not been good. I don't know why I started to say that. It wasn't. Um, Let's get into it. Let's start off with our Girls of the Week, which you guys, I'm giving it to myself. (laughs) I'm giving it to myself. You know, we have to be transparent with each other. I would be nothing if I didn't admit my faults and be transparent about that. So this is me being transparent. Okay. So how do I start this off? This year I made a decision to have fun. You know, I feel like the past few years have been very heavy and I just want to have fun. I want to laugh. I want to giggle. Okay. I just want to seek fun in as many areas and corners of this world as I can get. So as part of that, I am also spending a lot more money. <laughs> Interesting how that works. When you want to enjoy yourself in this country, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you big. So um, here's what happened, y'all. I was in a cab a couple months ago, and I don't know if they have this in other towns, but in New York, they have like taxi cab television. So they just like, sometimes they have like, they have special programming for the cab, like just little news updates or like, you know, what restaurants you should go to or like whatever. And on a loop was two girls going to a vending machine. And in that vending machine were some of the most gorgeous little strawberries you could ever uh, feast your eyes upon. Okay. And they are called the, and I'm going to not pronounce this correctly, the Oishi omakase berry 
strawberries. Um, these are very stra special strawberries. I believe they are vertically grown. They are um, like a special strain, if you will. And they're supposed to be very, very good. So, you know, shockingly for somebody who has just like a terrible relationship with my, um, you know, uh, what do you call it? See, already forgetting <laughs> short term memory. I forgot. <laughs> God bless me. Somebody who has a really uh, clearly you saw it in, in real time, a tenuous relationship with my short term memory. I did remember this berry and I was thinking about it. I was like, okay, let me find out where this berry is. Okay, there are a couple stores, only three places in Manhattan have this berry. Okay, so I'm like, okay, I want to see if I can find it. And I was going somewhere. We don't have to get into it. I had plans. Okay, moving on. I was going to bring this berry. I didn't because I didn't have time. I was running late. And then I was coming back and I was like, oh shit, like, I happened to be right by one of the three stores that has it. They were about to close. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go and see if they have it. I walk in, not five steps, just a whole display of these beautiful berries. They had big trays that were like maybe a dozen, I think. And then these little ones were just three. Okay. I don't want to get into how much they were. Okay. You can Google it. I don't want to hear, a, I don't want to, not a tweet, not a DM. I got the three pack. Okay. You can look it up was not that expensive in the grand scheme of things, but it's, it's expensive for what, for three strawberries. Okay. And, and I, I liked it. Okay. Here's, here's the thing. Here's a little trick for me to you. Sometimes you, sometimes purchases don't count if you buy them really quickly. <laughs> so if you can get in and out of the store in like less than a minute and a half, I just say it doesn't count because it just happens so quickly. Like you just let it happen and you don't think about it later. It doesn't, it's null and void. So anyway, I was like, oh, I'm just following my bliss and I'm loving it. And the strawberries are like very cute. They're very good. They smell like strawberry candy, which is wild because, you know, I smell strawberry candy as a child. And I think this doesn't smell like a strawberry to me. You know, it smells like strawberry candy, which is different. You know, like grape soda doesn't smell like grapes. It smells like grape flavor, right? Um, these strawberries actually smell like strawberry candy. They are delicious. They are not too juicy, but they're interesting. And so I think if you're like me, who's somebody who's like, just like, I'm just seeking out the little pleasures because I don't know if you guys know this, but psychologists say that like, it's more psychologically beneficial to, for your mind. And this is actually true. This is not me justifying what I did that if you, you get more gratification out of like little things, little treats over time than like big things. So the, you're going to get satisfaction out of being like, you know what, maybe I'll get a massage today. Or maybe I'll get my nails done today. Or maybe I'll do something, you know, I don't usually do treat myself in some way, get it, you know, some nail polish or whatever, get a nice bottle of wine, you know, more pleasure out of that, more satisfaction than saving up for a big trip. And like going on one big trip a year. That's what they say. Okay. So that's the philosophy that I'm going by. I encourage you guys to do the same. Do it within your budget though. Okay. Only splash out of cash every now and then. But do it. I think it's actually a good idea. Just like do something. Even just once a month. Just like one little thing. Just be like, you know what? I want a cake pop from Starbucks. And I'm going to get that shit. And don't apologize to anybody. Okay. So actually, I'm taking this back. I'm not the girl. Okay. I am a leader. 
and I'm telling you guys things that are going to make you happy in the long run. So pat on the back to me. Thank you. And you're welcome. Let's just give the girl to Machine Gun Kelly and, and Megan Fox. Cause <laughs> they're always going to be, you know, they got engaged. Oh, yay. What? Congratulations. They got engaged with like <laughs> three video cameras or cell phones posted up so they could get every possible angle of this. Apparently he proposed under a banyan tree that they met under or something. I don't. Okay. He was dressed like a footlocker employee. We all saw the tweet. Very funny. And I get it. He, I mean, really like a sequined referee jacket with a turtleneck under it. What, what was he thinking? <laughs> anyway, um, she said, yes, the two stone diamond. He apparently is a, his, uh, birthstone is a diamond. Hers is an emerald. So they put it together and it kind of looks like, uh, you know, like a misfit heart, like the two of us. <sighs> okay. And then apparently they drank each other's blood after like, girl, <sighs> We all know what Angelina Jolie did, okay? Like, it's it, it's too much. You got her face, and we're letting you get away with that, okay? You t- we all know that you took her face to the best of your ability, and it looks great. But it's like, we're letting you cook. You don't have to... You're Now you're doing too much, you know? Now you're doing too much. But, like, congratulations, I guess. Okay, let's talk about Kanye. Because, like, I'm actually mad, okay? Like, I'm actually starting to get annoyed at his behavior, I really try not to talk about Kanye. Like, I'll, I'll talk about the Kardashians, but I really try not to talk about him. One, because he is, you know, he's he's not well. He's not well. And so it feels bad to, like, openly judge somebody who is not well. Even if they have all the tools and resources to get their own help and they're choosing not to do that, I still feel empathy somehow in this very small black heart of mine, okay? But now he's pushing it. Okay. And I'm getting annoyed and I'm also getting annoyed at people's response to this. That is very pro Kanye and anti Kim. And I don't want to make it seem like I'm pro Kim, but I am pro the truth and I'm pro seeing through some bullshit. And what I've seen is a lot of bullshit out of Kanye, especially in this past week. And I don't think it's fair to her. And so we got to talk about it. Okay. Let's, let's get into it. So we got to start, I guess, with like one of his dates with Julia Fox and her just never ending need to like, listen, girl, we're not bringing back low rise jeans. It's not happening. Okay. You can expose your very toned stomach to the world as much as you want, but like, we're not hopping on that train. You're not, it's not, no, it's a no for me. And you don't like, you look great, but like, you don't look that good. And like, you look great. Like she has a banging body and even she doesn't look that great. So like, why, why would any of us, but that's neither here nor there. Julia, should I even talk about this? Cause I'm just like, I'm kind of, ugh, oh, girl. Okay. She is now apparently the, the first interview that they did or the first, uh, thing that they did with interview magazine on their first date. And then they went to go to see slave pay and then did a whole fashion shoot at fucking Carbone. Um, she now wants to make a weekly article with interview about her dates with Kanye called Fox news. Yeah. Yeah. So she was talking about her week with Kanye and let's just get to the highlights because girl, red flag, red flag. So they ask her where, what you're, what are you wearing right now? She's like, I'm actually naked. I'm just wearing Balenciaga earrings. And you know, I, I don't wear cologne a perfume I just work on natural pheromones and then there's a picture of her in these low top pants low rise 
looks like leather pants and a top. Again, she looks amazing. But she's on this table with food surrounded by her body. And then here's Kanye wearing winter gloves and a tank top. And he's like tucking a napkin into his chest. Okay, so then they're talking about this date. Now, we all saw that video of... <laughs> shout out to Chai who said... <laughs> This was an absolute nightmare blunt rotation. Um, the video with Kanye and Julia, Madonna, uh, Antonio Brown, uh, um, Floyd Mayweather. I mean, truly, I cannot imagine a group of people that I would want to hang out with less. But anyway, she said that she went to meet with Madonna because Madonna's, um, filming a or she's got a biopic in the work in the works and she is wanting julia to be uh debbie mazar which actually i'm like hmm, i'm listening i'm <laughs> you know I'm like i really struggle with madonna because like what has she been doing for the past 15 years like what why why am i seeing her son her black son dancing to michael jackson um, during like all the riots that were happening with George Floyd, like why are, what, what is that? Okay. I can't, I, you know, it's like, I can't open that because two hours later and I'm, I'm still going to be talking about Madonna. So let me move on. Um, back to the interview. She said something about how, like, uh, I, I don't care. <laughs> here, here were the things that were, here were the things that were upsetting. Okay. So she talks about how like she kept getting up for food and whatever. And then they ask her how her relationship with Kanye is evolving. I know that's not his legal name anymore. I'm not calling him. I'm not calling him. It's a thing. She goes, you know, I'm so used to being fucked over in relationships. I kept waiting for him to disappoint me because he makes very grandiose promises. And it's like, how could he ever pull it off with all the other things he has going on? But he always does. And last night was a testament to that. Um, she goes, and then they say, how do you, do you feel like you're a muse? And she says, I've always been someone's muse. The interviewer says, what does being a muse mean to you? She says, you're either born a muse or not, or you're not. Then she goes on to say that like, you know, her vibes right now are about tolerance and kindness and love. And she's canceling cancel culture and putting an end to this black and white thinking. People shouldn't be divined by their darkest moment. As humans, we commit violence to each other. We police each other. We've created such a hostile environment, especially on the internet, and that's why I don't read the headlines. Now, girl, I just said last week that you were all up on your podcast talking about how, oh, let's talk about Kim and Pete. Oh, what's going on with Kimmy A's divorce? So what are you talking about? You don't read headlines because you were just in the thick of it, just like us. But anyway, let's move on. She says, no, I don't read headlines. And that's why I feel like I'm a really good candidate for this position because a lot of people in my shoes would probably be reading the comments and freaking out. I'm not trying to have everybody love me. I'm just trying to connect with people that are like-minded. What position? His girlfriend? His muse? His employee? What are you telling us, Julia? I'm qualified for this position. Like this is giving like Tom Cat. Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes vibes. Like, remember when he was auditioning all those young ingenue actresses and then suddenly Katie Holmes pops out giggling and he's jumping on the couch over her. And now we're like, there were 12 different actresses about three months ago. And then now you guys are on the top of the fucking Eiffel Tower getting married. But okay, what candidate? Candidate for what position? Interview Magazine, get me on the horn. I'm going to ask the real questions. Anyway. She talks about the date night she had where he played Zola. I guess he's like a real Jeremy O'Hara's fan. Which, mm-hmm. 
Ooh, okay. So the interview goes on and asks, what was the wildest thing that he's dreamed up that you've seen come to life between you two? You guys, they've only been together <laughs> since since New Year's. Okay, Let, let's really keep that into perspective. It is now, as you read this, January 17th. Okay, what is the biggest thing that you've seen that he's dreamed up that you've seen come to life between you two? Her answer, my transformation. After meeting him a couple days later, all my shit was in boxes gone. It was so cathartic. It wasn't like I was just packing up my old clothes. It was like I was packing up my old life. I was like making that very conscious decision to really put everything in the box to let go of the past. And the interview says, so we're learning that you box up your life and you're in yay world now. And she says, yeah, let's be honest. Why not? And then she says, I'm really surrendering for someone like me, who's such a control freak and always so used to taking care of myself to just let go and be taken care of as foreign at this point in my life. I'm the, I've been the primary caretaker of everyone for so long. So it's a new sensation, but honestly, I think I deserve it. Even a month ago, I was so fucking like not getting along with my son's father or not having help. It was just me alone. I was just, I was so tired and everything was work. I just remember being like, I know that there's going to be a reward for this. Like, this is so fucking miserable that I know that I know something good will come out of this if I just hang in there. And then a few days later, there I am with Kanye and it's the most instant, natural, organic attraction and connection. I just feel really safe with him. It's a redemption story. You guys, this is not going to end well. We all know this, right? It's not going to go good. It's going to go real bad. Okay? Real bad for everybody involved. (laughs) And where is your child? Like, no shade to you, but like, you just talk about packing up your whole life and how cathartic it was. Where is your child, girl? Did the baby? Did the baby get packed up? I'm just... I I didn't even want to talk about this, but like... (laughs) Let me go on. The worst things... God, I'm going to talk for so long, you guys. I'm sorry, but... So this continues. He's dating Julia Fox, um, getting his, you know, Madonna's weave whacked, whacked in his face or whatever. And then we find out that he has gotten some criminal charges coming down on him because he punched somebody. And then we see the video, not really of him punching him, but the guy's on the ground. Um, he's screaming at his cousin. She's like, come here, come here. He's like, no, I'm not coming with you. You should have talked to her. And then we find out, because Kanye's been doing all these interviews. I feel like when Kanye does all these spur-of-the-moment interviews with people who don't make sense, like Jason Lee of Hollywood Unlocked, the guy who um, told everybody about uh, Jordan, that guy. (laughs) He's He's like Harvey Levin for black people. We'll just put it that way. He's messy. He's very messy. Um... He does this interview with Jason Lee and he says that he was talking when he was yelling at his cousin, like you were supposed to talk to her. He was referring to Kim. So we find out later that he apparently there is this discord between him and Kim and he's planting the seeds that Kim has been keeping the kids away from him. That He tried to show up to the house and the security guards wouldn't let him in that he had taken the kids somewhere and he brought them back north wanted him to come upstairs to see something but then security wouldn't allow him in and then he said like oh and i'm finding out like you know kim's boyfriend's in the house and i'm not getting let in and these are my kids and i'm here for my kids blah 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 and then he says something along the lines of how he had told his cousin to speak to somebody in the family or security or somebody in the kardashian family on behalf of him Now, this is red flag number one for me. 
because why is your cousin having to communicate with the rest of the family to get you in contact with your children or to have access to your kids? Like, that's weird to me. That's very strange, right? Now, he claims that the reason why he punched that dude out was because he was so stressed out about his situation at home and possible custody issues and this, that, and the third. According to TMZ, they say that Kim doesn't care about him having access to the kids. She's never denied access to him. She just wants him to call first and to like, you know, schedule some time to be with his kids. And I think that is completely fair, right? Like she is the primary parent. That's very obvious. He's traveling here, there and everywhere to go record his album because he feels like he's spiritually called to be in, uh, you know, Hawaii for months or Wyoming, whatever. And, you know, maybe the kids are being flown out there every now and again, but it seems like Kim's living in the house with the kids and she's, you know, (laughs) taking care of them primarily. So then he apparently comes out with this song with, um, whoever the fuck, I can't remember his name, but it's called easy. And there's a line about how he, um, he knows that he was saved from a crash so he could beat Pete Davidson's ass. Okay. Cool guy. Real cool. I'm just going to tell y'all right now. I know that Kanye can't fight. Like I know that Kanye does not have hands. I know it. He sucker punched that guy. Like that wasn't, he's talking about like, Oh, the, that blue mask didn't get that, help that guy from getting knocked the fuck out. Like, first of all, why would it? That's not like, okay you did that says Kanye good one but secondly like he he can't he, I know he can't fight I just I feel it in my bones as somebody who was also born you know in Chicago I just know that he is he wasn't born in Chicago he was born in Atlanta anyway neither here nor there I know that he just doesn't have hands so like the fact that you like sucker punch some guy who's trying to get an autograph from you is not like that's not a KO like ask Floyd Mayweather he would be tell he would tell you So then things really come to a head on Saturday, January 15th, which happens to be Chicago, their third child's birthday. Kanye starts getting on video and these videos start getting posted of him in a car talking about how he's being kept away from his child. He wants to be there. How awful would it be for her to have this memory of her birthday with her father not there? I'm being kept away. Nobody's giving me information. Woe is me. I called Tristan of all people to try and get um, the information on when the party was. And, you know, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And he's talking about how like the whole family Kardashians are trying to keep him away from his child. Woe is me. Now everybody's going off on Kim about like, she just wanted the name and she wanted to have the kids and she's so evil. And how could she keep him from his child? And this, that, and the third, how dare she awful he wants to be a good dad and look at her no fuck you guys because what i'm hearing is that this person did not even inquire about his child's birthday until the day of and now he's calling other people and again why can't you call kim or any of the sisters directly you gotta call tristan it's that bad that you can't even call courtney (laughs) you can't call kylie it was her I mean, I guess he ended up calling Travis and Travis gave him the address, but you had to ask all these like other, you had to go with the other baby daddy contingency and ask them what was going on to get the information on your child's birthday. That does not make sense to me. That to me says that you didn't probably didn't even realize, probably had no clue, (laughs) didn't even think about it until that day. And now you're pissed at everybody else. 
about how they're taking memories away from you. Get real. So he's there. Apparently he, somebody gave him an ice cream to calm him the fuck down. Okay. And he's, you know, playing, uh, uh, not, what do you call it? Uh, pinata with, with shy. And it looks like he's barely holding on to her. And it's like, she's looking like, Ooh, okay. Calm down, sir. He's looking, um, energetic. We'll say. And it just seemed very strange to me. It really, I think it's really unfair to blame the mother when he can't get his shit together. When he's coming in at the 13th hour, like how did he not know about this party until the day of Kanye riddle me that? Cause even if he just found out the day before, it seems like something that they could have worked out. So he wasn't scrambling, running around hidden Hills, uh, crying in the backseat of some like phantom about how he can't get in. He's trying to call Tristan. And again, this leads me to believe like red flag. Number one, when his cousin was the one trying to be an intermediary to speak to the security and Kim, why can't you speak to her? Why is that? why aren't you like let's answer that question why is it that you can't speak to her why is it that people have to go through you why is it that you have to call uh tristan and you know pip let's uh talk about that and his station and where the family is right why does tristan have more information about your child's birthday than you do and tristan just had a whole baby still probably got placenta on the back of his neck probably hasn't even uh, broken that um you know that gross little plug that they get where the belly button is you know and yet he knows more about your daughter's birthday than you do the math ain't mathin' bro it's not making sense to me and i hope that next time you hear people talking shit about how kim did this uh let's like put that all into perspective let's put that all into perspective you had all the time in the world to be hanging out with your new girlfriend you know, too, too busy for that all the time in the world to punch this guy in the face over a perceived slight. Okay. Okay. I just want like, let's just, let's just get all the facts on the table and really talk about what the truth is. Cause I'm the picture that I've got is very different than the one that Kanye seems to be painting to the media. That's all I'm saying. Let's move on. I was going to talk about that dirty little hamster, Damie Lynn Spears, but it's like, girl, she's playing herself, you know, like there's nothing that I can say that she isn't playing about herself. Like she really needs to mind her own business. She needs to stay out of grown folks business. And that's me included. That's me and Brittany. She needs to stay out of our business. Okay. And she sucks. And I don't know why I, I don't, mm-hmm. I want to know who this book is for. I want to know why she said any of the things that she said about her sister, about how I tried to help her at times. And I didn't even, she said, I didn't know what a conservatorship was, but I also tried to help her. And my sister's erratic. And like, what, how dare you? How absolutely dare, like, I'm like, well, she's really got us fucked up. And by us, I mean me and Brittany. I just like, what did she think she was doing? I don't understand, like, who is putting it in her head that she's a victim in this situation? Who's telling her that? Because baby, baby girl, like the fact that you would say anything bad about your sister, even if it were true at this point, at this time in American history, and I don't believe it to be true. I think she's just talking cash shit. I think she is 
like like I said, a dirty little hamster down the drain, trying to get up to water, trying to get her little hamster head above water. And she's doing everything she can by saying, like, I was both sympathetic to her, but also Brittany's like a bad person. And like, I'm really trying with her and I'm just a sister and I'm a victim of this, too. And I tried to help her, but also she sucks and she's weird and there's something wrong with her. And like, fuck, fuck you. Uh, And that's that's really all I have for her. And no, I'm I'm not done for her to then go for Brittany to speak out. And then for her to Jamie Lynn to say, oh, we should stop this, Brittany. I didn't say anything bad about you, girl. Like uh, people are coming to me and they're they're issuing death threats against me because because of what you said, because you so mean to me. Like, (laughs) okay, I really am done. Okay, let me move on to my thoughts. Another rant that I'm about to go into. I'm sorry, I could could have been more positive, but you know what? I'm all, I can only work with the material that is given to me over the week. Okay, <laughs> we got to talk about it just like that. Mm. 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 I would just like the record to reflect. Just like pat myself on the back again. I know this is very smarmy of me, but I just I told y'all the episode one that Che Diaz was a demon, and here they come demoning themselves every episode every episode there's an imprint that they have put a stain on the show i don't like it and i'm actually like starting to be upset with Sarah ramirez about the whole thing <laughs> demon okay has 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 Sarah said anything about che like have they spoken about this have they said like i get it you guys i get that you don't like them i like I, it seems like it's like, or, or is, is she, oh, I don't like Shay. Okay, so here's another thing that I'm mad at. Y'all also know that I'm very horny for Steve Brady, okay? I know that he's like a little bit of a fumbler. I know that he's like a little bit, you know, he started off being like, you know, a little bit of a, you know, you know, we all know, like, you know, just not quite on her level financially and what have you. Didn't have the quite the pedigree of, of Miranda, okay? But they made it work. He was a good man. He was really willing to put there. He was willing to open up a bar because he wanted to prove that he could do it. That was his dream. He had a goal and he did it. And he was sexy the entire time. He was giving Miranda orgasms left and right. And this is what we were led to believe for the entirety of that series is that like he could fuck. And so that's my truth. That is the truth. I know so few things to be true. But I know that Steve Brady and real life David Eisenberg can fuck. I know this. So why are they making him Mr. Magoo? Why are they making him so like fumbly? Ah, I'm here at the farmer's market. I left my my wallet over here by the pickle guy. And I can't see and I can't hear. Why is he such a loser? Like, and this is the thing is that like, it's not even necessary to the story. Like we don't need Steve to be bad to make Miranda's sexuality and coming out or whatever is going on with her justified. Like, wouldn't it be a lot more interesting if Steve was exactly the Steve that he's always been and she just didn't work. And so they have to like work on this breakup or whatever it is that they're going to do. Why does he have to be like this? You're telling me that Steve Brady doesn't know how to finger get the fuck out of here. Like, come on, stop playing in my face. And now she's trying to, she's in her Brooklyn kitchen trying to recreate the moment with Che. Um, I don't know, maybe if you have Carrie uh, piss in the bed somewhere in the room downstairs, maybe that would work for you, Miranda. I don't know. But the fact that he like, is like, oh, I don't know how to finger. I, oh, oh, oh well, you want to have sex with me? Okay. Oh, like what the hell? 
what the hell? Honestly, I think this would be much more interesting if he was just as sexy and she was just like, like, if her relationship was great, like, why did it have to be like at his expense? Like, I don't get it. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. And I'm really angry. And so here's my other thing. Charlotte's like weird bat at feminism is so odd to me. Why does she have to like do her Susan B. Anthony moment in the name of tennis? Like, what was that? She's playing doubles with Harry and LJ, LTD, whatever her initials are, LBW, I don't know. But um, she, they're playing with L, whatever, and her husband. And she doesn't say sorry to Harry because she makes him fall or something. And she, he ends up following her around and tracking how many times she said sorry to people, random people who she didn't even need to be saying sorry to. She said sorry to somebody who bumped into her. And then she has this big moment of like, that's it. It's exactly it. Women are always apologizing and I'm just not going to have to do it. Like, I'm not going to apologize for playing good tennis. Like, and then nothing happened after that. Like, it, like, Okay. Okay. Um back to Che. Like this scene where they get back together doesn't make any sense to me. Like clearly Che is a fuckboy. If Che was really that interested in Miranda, we all know the rule. Like people do, they put in the effort that they want to put in. Miranda, it doesn't matter if Che saw your DM or not. I think it's perfectly reasonable that Jay is like a, a allegedly like Netflix level Netflix special level comedian would not see all their DMs and maybe not see Miranda. But the truth of the matter is it's been three months since you flicked her bean and you have direct act or you have access through her best friend because you guys have a podcast together. Jay could have contacted Carrie to get Miranda's information if they wanted to, but they didn't. So Miranda, like, this is another thing that I don't believe is like, you're not that stupid. The the fact that Miranda would be this sprung (laughs) and in this sort of like reefer badness, like haze with Che doesn't make any sense to me. Like it is so not Miranda. And I guess this is a whole season of like this season is (laughs) or whatever, is that Miranda's not herself at all. But like the fact that she was just like, oh, you want to touch me? Oh, let's go. Like, what? I didn't, that, that's not my Miranda. And that's not my Steve. Mm, 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 mm. Miranda's going to get her heart broken. Uh, and you know what? Okay. Um, Carrie writes a book and goes on a date that she's just doing as an experiment to um, add some hopefulness to the end of the book about love and loss with Big. And she ends up liking this guy and they go on their first date and they do some in tandem puking outside of a bar because they both realize that they are widowed. Why did we need to see the puke? Why? Like, and it was so long. <laughs> like, why do we, I, I didn't need to see that. Okay. But okay. I think that's it. Okay. Let's move on. Um, I'm ending the episode with a recap. Just a quick 38 minute recap of cheer. (laughs) Hope you guys enjoy. If you guys are able to leave me a five star review, I would be very grateful. And yeah. Bye. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What he was accused of or condone it at all. And it is very unfortunate and it breaks my heart. But it's literally like your family how are you gonna just hate your family so i feel like people expect me to be like well you should hate him and you should never speak to him again but the thing is i can't like i cannot and i won't i i can't turn my back on him because he was there for me when i when i needed it Okay, guys, so season two of Cheer came out, and surprisingly, I've already watched all of it, and I don't want to do a full episode about it, but I just wanted to share, like, ten or so thoughts that I had about the series. You guys, if you were on the fence about watching it, I think it is good. I think it is solidly, solidly good. Um, And it was solidly good despite the fact that so many parts of it could have made it significantly worse and yet I was still pretty much captivated the whole time I liked it well I didn't like but just right off the bat they address the fame and all of the things that came from the success of season one and they're you know doing interviews and going to LA doing Ellen all of this stuff and then there's the other people the people who didn't get featured on season one, the people who were in, standing in the background while Ladarius and Jerry and Gabby and uh, whoever do all the stuff and they're right in the front row and they just feel like you can tell, you can sense attention, you can sense the fact that they're really trying not to be haters, but they're like, they feel some type of way. Speaking of Jerry, I was pretty surprised at the amount in which he was featured on the series I wouldn't have guessed that and then I had the ironic thought of he's probably paying his legal fees from the money that he's getting or that he got filming as much footage as they got from him for this season like oh my goodness um more on Jerry later but I uh in terms of the structure of the season, it was kind of like two seasons, like two different seasons that they had a completely different feel. The first one was so full of hope. Everybody was like having fun, having fun in the limelight, even though they were like, there was obvious tensions there. And then COVID happens, everything shuts down. 
then we meet them basically like a few months later and there are so many people who are off the team so many people who have left and gone on to do their own thing and then it's like they have to build up another team with all of these rookies monica starts doing dancing with the stars she's away for basically the first semester and they already had this big long covid break so you know, the nationals got canceled the first time Daytona got canceled and now they're doing practice for the next Daytona competition. And it's just like vibes are off the whole time. They can't get it together. There's really no, like that team spirit that we saw a lot of in season one was gone. It's just like, it wasn't the same. We also got a lot more of Trinity Valley Community College, which is their main competitor. And by main competitor, I mean Navarro's only competition because <laughs> they're the only two teams that compete on whatever category uh, they're in. And it, mm, interesting. I, eh, you know, I don't really find a lot of entertainment out of straight men. So I had a hard time with Monte. <laughs> Not not had a hard time with him. I just had a hard time connecting for him or rooting for him. Um, but their story was interesting. So much like deep rooted homophobia because you know, the mentioning of how the Navarro team, their men that are on the team are mostly gay and TVCC Trinity Valley is like mostly comprised of straight tumblers and, um, you know, gymnasts and stuff and that so many of the guys who were cheering for tvcc were cheering for that team because they had such a hard time being perceived as gay um and that was like the straight team so that was like the way that they could cover it what was shocking to me in a field of you know in a, in a world in which there are so many gay guys the way that they did not have any way of coping with that even Vontae like as a leader as a coach and as a straight guy in the field you would think he would offer any sort of better uh not giving into the homophobic rhetoric advice to these boys but we never see him do that and it's it's, it's unfortunate I let's get into some other things Andy the assistant coach is he a cannibal or is he a vampire it's got to be one of them it can't be neither okay I did some googling because I just had questions and I found out that you know he actually does have some Romanian uh, heritage within him and Romanians have a very close relationship to vampires you know I'm just saying that I'm putting puzzle pieces together I thought that I googled it and then I found it and it felt relevatory. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, he's got a sallow skin that feels like it would be wet or moist, at least to the touch, like bead of moisture, not sweat, but just like moist. You know what I mean? He makes me uncomfortable and I should be able to say that. And I did. Capena. Wow. Um, you know, in season one, there was that like volunteer fireman who used to be on the Navarro team who came back and he was watching their um, practices and would show up and it was just like so 
uh, emotionally connected to the team still. And I thought, wow, that's really sad. Capana was in season one and he was a volunteer coach, which, you know, should have put my hackles up in the beginning. But then we see him in this one and he is like, first of all, how old is Capena? How old is anybody on that show? Like, what's going on? Gabby Butler has 17 associate's degrees at this point. Like, TT is, you can't tell me that TT Barker's not 37. Capena is probably, you know, getting AARP mailers in his inbox. Like, I don't understand how these people are so old. That's neither here nor there. And actually, it's extremely, it's a question that I would really like answered. Like, I would have really known, and I think it would have added to the darkness to see exactly how old these people are. Because by knowing how old they are, it's telling us how long they refuse to go out in the real world and leave cheer and be adults. Here's the thing that really, like, I thought about season one, but it really hammered into me. This is, like, not good. (laughs) It's like unhealthy boundaries that are being created. And the thing is like the stakes are so high, but also non-existent. Like everybody's so, it's such a pressure cooker, this world of cheer, but outside of the world of cheer, they hold no cachet, no power whatsoever. Like at least the average person, let's say the average American probably doesn't give a shit about like space or tech or cars, but you know who um, Elon Musk is, even just like generally, right? Like you might not be into celebrity culture, but you know, at least one or two Kardashians, right? Like even if it's not in your world, they still hold some power in your world. There is no power to like people see Gabby Butler on the street and if they are not in the tumbling and cheer world, they don't know who the fuck she is and they don't care. (laughs) Nobody cares. (laughs) It feels like so many of these kids comes from broken homes or something bad happened to them. They found cheer. It was their only outlet, their only port in the storm. And they get into these like really too close for comfort relationships with their coaches and the world of cheer and the, the camaraderie and the community that's coming from your teammates. And like, they don't want to leave that, which brings me back to Capena who again, getting AARP mailers in his inbox is talking about, they don't, they like really slip in what's going on with Capena throughout the first few episodes. And I'm like, Whoa, baby. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So I'm just thinking at first that he Uh, You know, because last season, I think he was on the fence about whether or not he was going to stay at Navarro. We find out that he is not at Navarro, but it seems like he still is maintaining a close relationship with them. And then a couple episodes go by and we have a scene of him talking to maybe Maddie Brum or some young nubile flyer. Okay, and he's talking to her like this 19 year old girl about how like. He tries to keep his distance from the team and he doesn't want to like make eye contact with anybody and freak them out. And like, but he is like, he wants to be in the mix still, but he doesn't know like how to play the game. Like he doesn't know how to play this. And then he tells some story about how he had, a, I guess he had a party at his house. Some of the teammates were there and they were underage and they had alcohol. Somebody was drinking alcohol. He doesn't say that the 
underage kids got drunk there. He just says, there happened to be alcohol at this party. It was irresponsible of me. I basically, like, Monica kicked him to the curb. (laughs) And it's like, sir, you were a volunteer coach. You got fired from your volunteer job. And now you're creeping around, hanging out in the risers, watching this team, trying not to make eye contact with them because it hurts you too much and you don't know how to gauge the situation. You know what you should do is get a job, sir. Take a walk. Talk to somebody. Like, I'm not even joking. He needs a therapy. Like, bro, you can't be down this bad over a cheerleading squad that you really haven't even been part of. Like, you were volunteering, That's, like, more sad than coming back to get another associate's degree. Like, at least Gabby's getting something about out of it, you know? She's gotten her, like, underwater basket weaving, uh, you know, degree. What are you... You're devoting hours of your time for free. And she said, I'm going to blow up your whole relationship. Like, it's not even worth it to have your free labor. And now you're, like, down. Ooh. And that brings me to Franklin, the assistant coach at um, TVCC who lives with his old teammate and his wife and daughter. And they've got this situation, which shout out to Princess, listen to Buy Pumpkin podcast. She thinks that they are in some sort of throuple. Okay. I disagree. I think if anything, it might be Franklin and the husband, but I feel like I was getting, um, I was sensing a um, get the fuck out vibe from the wife. She was like keeping it cute. She was keeping it cute. I will say that. But I just felt like she wouldn't be crying a whole lot of tears if Franklin was like, okay, I'm going to get a studio apartment, you know? Um, So Franklin tells us that he had a long-term girlfriend. That he, I don't know, something about some like move that he liked to do. It was like a one-handed pop a flyer up on my one hand. Look at me. Okay. And then he talks about how, like, you know, I used to do that move. It was, like, his special signature move. And he used to do that move with his girlfriend. He had been with this girlfriend for, like, a long time, several years. And she wanted to move to the next level, get married, have kids. And he told her, I can be your boyfriend forever, but I really can't do that. And he says, you know, there are a few things that I could say that I can look back and say were good ideas and the correct decision and ending things with her was the best idea. I know that to be true because her life ended up a lot better. Whereas he's just like in this, whatever, he doesn't really talk about what his damage is, but he just says the idea of a wife and kid sounds good to me now, but he like, can't do it. Something is blocking him. So all he has is this like odd relationship with his friend's toddler (laughs) and cheerleading. And it's mm, okay. And like no shade to people living with other people, like don't get it twisted, but like he just admitted to having something wrong with him. And that's why the reason why he was living there. So I feel like, you know, I feel like I can make a comment. Okay. Also, I feel like, you know, let's trim up the beard a little bit, Franklin. Like, I feel like there's good stuff in there. Like, he could have just, like, a little girlfriend. Not a little girlfriend, but, like, he could be dating. You know? He he could also go to therapy. Group therapy for Capena and Franklin. And Vante. And, uh, uh, Vampire. Coach Andy. Okay, now I guess it would be a good time to talk to Jerry. Talk about Jerry. They talk about Jerry in episode five. 
like I said, in the episodes leading up to that, he's fairly heavily featured. Um, There's really no sense of foreboding of what's to come with Jerry. I mean, it was kind of mentioned in the very beginning because they sit down with Monica and she says, you know, if I had known something like if I had known how this was going to go, <laughs> I probably wouldn't have agreed to film this. And, uh, you know, I just didn't really know it was going to be coming down the pike. And then there's really no mention. And then season or episode four, there's like very mention at the very end. And then we don't see him after episode five. Um, oh Lord. I think a lot of people feel this way and I know it's problematic but I'm telling my truth and I think a lot of people feel this way and I, I hope you guys will hear me out on this. I Something about Jerry is like really, it's very hard for me to, it, I struggle. I struggle with it a lot and I will be the first on the front lines to, um, you know, defend survivors of R. Kelly and other sexual assault survivors and I'm not saying at all that what he did was okay it's vile it is wrong no way around it he deserves to be where he is right now especially because of what we find out later um but he's he was just presented to us as such a good kid who had come from these unfortunate circumstances and he was seemed so kind he seemed to move with love and he seemed to just be a light and then to hear what he did and what he continued to do and what he doesn't really seem to get even still is just it's so difficult and I find myself wanting to be like, what, you know, what could have possibly happened to him? Because I feel like what he did probably was not happening in a vacuum. It was probably done to him. He's probably uh, repeating a cycle of abuse. I can't put that on him. He didn't make any claims, but I just feel like nine times out of 10, this is the truth that we find out, you know, but it's just like, oh, I just, we were all rooting for him and to me it's so shocking it's so shocking and it's so just like I I can't you know (laughs) like to be like the nicest most seemingly unassuming person to do that and to see the victims talk about what happened and share their story and it just Like, I felt so protective of them. I felt, like, myself wondering, like, is this good, the best thing for them? Like, maybe they feel empowered now. What if they don't feel, like, you know, five years from now? What if they feel like this is a bad idea? Like, I just was like, oh, I hope that this is a good thing for them. And it continues to be a good thing for them and healing. But I, I just felt sad for them. I felt sad for Jerry. I felt sad for everybody's reaction. I felt sad for, you know, even though TT is 37, he's also 19 and he's also 21 or college age, you know, and to see these kids, like, I can't imagine myself as a college age, 20, 21 year old and finding this out about my best friend and being like, what? Like, it seemed like all, none of them had any idea So many of them were struggling with, like, their responsibility, even though they didn't know and they never expected. Like, they were like, if I had just known, like, Ladarius says this, and another guy says, like, if I had just known, I would have, 
I could have done something. I don't know what that thing is, but like I could have put him on a different path and this didn't need to happen. And I truly thought this was my brother and I can't believe it. And I heard that Gabby Butler was getting a lot of flack for what she said about how she was always going to support him and how she loved him and, um, you know, how upset she was. She called Ladarius like screaming and crying and it was just like such a, an upsetting moment for them, you know, and then Monica is talking about how upset she was and how basically that news came out the day that Dancing with the Stars premiered. So she was coming out of rehearsal and a producer comes up to her and is like, have you seen your phone? And she's like, "Uh, what? Like had no idea. And yeah, dude, I just, I'm just thinking about this boy has been in jail. This man, this man has been in jail since September of 2020. And then when Monica says that, you know, people have spoken to him and she says that he wrote her a letter and that she was just like, you could tell there are a lot of times where it's very clear that Monica's very, um, she knows what she's doing. She's walking into that, that situation prepared. Right. Um, and you could tell that she's thought about the questions and has the answers before they're even asked. So, but you would tell that this really shook her. And this was like one of the moments where I was like, Ooh, this is like deep, deep. Cause this is like shaking Monica, even to just repeat it. She says that Jerry wrote her a letter and she didn't really get into the full details, but she said, I couldn't write him back because it was hopeful. Like he thought he was going to get out of this, be exonerated and like become a motivational speaker. And she's like, I know that some people find themselves in bad situations and come out of it and are able to make something, but like not this, this is not the situation that people come out of and um, are getting paid speaking engagements. And she's like, it's like, he just didn't think like he's like skip ahead 30 seconds. If you don't know what he did and you don't want to hear it, I'm just going to lay it to you guys really quick. So the boys that he, um, that accused him of, uh, sending, uh, Snapchat conversations, asking for, um, naked pictures, butt pictures, um, asking for, like sexually explicit videos and he was sending them to them and they met him at a conference and and that they were just like intimidated because he was kind of like a popular person in the cheer world and he they were talking about one story where one of the boys they saw him at a conference like this wasn't like oh a let's meet up thing it was like they were all at a competition together and jerry corners him in the bathroom and was like asking for sex or oral sex. Like he was trying to negotiate sex and the boy's like, no, but then he, you know, and then Jerry, once after he got arrested, admitted to sending messages and also having sex with a 15 year old at a competition. And these are things that he admitted to the feds. So like why this guy thinks that he's getting out of jail is beyond me. If he's accused, I think he has a mandatory minimum sentence of like 15 years. I can't imagine that that's not going to come down. 
on him, uh, especially when you admit it. Um, it it's oof. and like furthermore, like gosh, when the mom is telling how she found out. Oh my god! Oh my god! And what she found out, Jesus! And then just uh, the fact that he like knew something was coming, or they can deeply suspect that he knew something was coming because he ditched his old cell phone got a new one but then continued to contact minors on that new phone it was like you know that you're going to get in trouble probably or that at least that there's a possibility and yet you still continue to do that very thing that you're concerned about getting caught doing so like i just i i cannot wrap my mind around it's wow and then they play a clip of jerry from season one a clip that like at the time <laughs> seemed hopeful and he's talking about how cheer saved his life basically and that if he didn't have cheer he'd probably be doing really bad things he'd be in uh, in and out of jail and that he would be hurting people because he was hurting himself and to see that played now it's just like and knowing that he was doing that stuff then you know not good not good moving on to some more complicated stuff the relationship between monica and ladarius goes back to what i was saying like these are very unhealthy relationships we learned in season one that ladarius had um issues excuse me with his parents and custody issues and abandonment issues it all boils down to and it appears like he and monica really forged a relationship but i'm just like even now i'm really not sure who i think is at fault here i think it might be both we all know that ladarius has a way about him and he has a lot of growing up to do and he has a tendency to lash out and think later and so i think that might be a lot of what's going on but also Monica is the adult here. Monica is the, uh, you know, upper person in this situation. Like there's a power dynamic and she is on top. And I think she has the responsibility to find a healthy way to like guide this child healthy away for her and for him. It seems like things got very toxic between them. And so what happens is that Monica goes away for dancing with the stars she leaves the team in the care of a girl named Kaylee Peppers, who was an old teammate, a former teammate of Ladarius. So she's quite young and she was stepping in to be Monica. Okay. So obviously the dynamic is very different. She's much younger. She's much more green, but she's got some good ideas, but just like things don't really gel. The people that just joined the team are kind of frustrated. They're like, we're not mad at Monica for choosing herself and making her own decisions, but we came to this school to be coached by Monica and we're not. And now we're in COVID. (laughs) We're not doing shit. We're paying full tuition to basically hang out with our pod and do TikToks. And we're not even getting the pleasure of being coached by Monica. And Ladarius had a lot of issues with her and they don't really get too specific. (laughs) There are like a couple stories told about this situation. The breakdown between Kaylee and Ladarius. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. 
This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The way Ladarius tells it, he he just felt like he was, Kaylee was not running the team the way he felt like it should be run. He felt like there were a lot of things that weren't being implemented that Monica had implemented. He felt like he was going out of his way to essentially be a de facto coach, teaching people the stunts, teaching formation, choreo, whatever. He was in there, according to him. And he said that he was calling Monica while she was away in LA and Monica's not picking up. So there's the first part of discord, right? And then there's some big thing that happens between Kaylee and Ladarius that ends up with Ladarius leaving the team. First, we're told that there is a situation with a dog that Ladarius had a dog. He gave the dog to Kaylee he was of the understanding that Kaylee would just have the dog for the semester and then he would take the dog back. But I guess Kaylee had, did not feel that way. She thought that Ladarius gave her the dog permanently. Ladarius found out that she changed the dog's name and she wouldn't get the dog back. And Kaylee's telling the story about how Ladarius shows up at her house, banging on the door. She's so scared trying to get this dog. Ladarius says, Girl, I was not banging on her door. I knocked on it three times. I hear her on the other side of that door saying on the phone to Andy or one of the other coaches like, oh my God, he's banging on the door. He's like, I'm not going to do that. You know, like get real. And she's trying to make herself the victim. And that's what happens. He ends up leaving the team. But then they interview some of the other teammates and they're like, yeah, well, like, we can say it was the dog. It wasn't really the dog. It, it happened before this, but they didn't, that girl clearly had the tea, but wasn't spilling it, which was frustrating. Well, Darius is saying he's hurt by Monica. Monica's saying she's hurt by him. She's saying I did so much for this kid. I went above and beyond for Ladarius. I paid for his deposit for his dorm. I did this. I did that. I was like a mom to him. And then he up and betrays me and starts talking all the shit about me to everybody and going on Instagram live and talking about how I was abusive and um, all this stuff. And I just feel really betrayed. And so everybody seemed to be team Monica. And I thought, okay, we'll point for her on that. But maybe not. I mean, it just seemed like Ladarius not only lost his relationship with Monica, but he also lost it with TT. Because Titi was like, fuck Ladarius. Like, he used to be my brother, but now, like, fuck him. I can't believe he would treat Monica like that. I, you know, it, he's dead to me, basically. And um, 
seemed like Gabby was very much Team Monica. Like, I love Ladarius, but <laughs> this was wrong. And nobody really just seemed to be in Ladarius's corner, except for Ladarius. But I had just something about it. I don't know. I mean, the documentary was obviously very sympathetic to Monica, which I get. But in a way, sometimes it was almost cringy. So I, I just have like one eye on the whole situation. This ends up culminating with them. Like they're having this break and then they have this huge conversation at Daytona where Ladarius comes to her suite and they're, you know, apologizing to each other. They're cr- well, she's crying. He's not. Um, he says he's really sorry for what he did. She's asking like, do you really feel like I was abusive towards you? He says, you know, like it's complicated he doesn't quite say no but he does say he's really sorry they hug they say i love you um monica is talking about how this is like she wakes up sad every day that this is like really messing her up other people are saying that like she just seems like she's not paying attention and they know it's because of her uh situation with ladarius uh so uh, i mean listen (laughs) I did a quick uh, tweet search for my tweets because I'm thinking, okay, Daytona was in like, what, March or January, March or April of 2021. But I know that one day I was tweeting about how I happened to, and I never do this, I never watch people's lives unless like they're people I know, but I saw Ladarius on Instagram live and I'm like, I don't know what compelled me to do this, but I was like, let me just click on it. And then I see Ladarius in a shake and go wig, giving Mia Wallace from Pulp Fiction. And he's constantly brushing this wig, <laughs> which just added to the ridiculousness of it. Anyway, the point of this is that they had this makeup in like March or April. This live happened in August 30th or 31st. And so whatever like alleged um, makeup that they had didn't last long because he was talking about Monica. He was talking about uh, other people. Let's just run down. Let me go back to my tweet because I, I uh, live tweeted. Okay. So this was August 30th, 2021. Let's just go through what he was talking about. Okay. In his shake and go wig. Um, he said that Morgan's whole story was fake, that she lied about her parents and like just made her story more, she didn't have the sob story that she said she did. And that on the team, uh, Morgan and Shannon were the mean girls. He said that Monica basically told Morgan to use her body to try and get a guy on the Navarro team. And she did, but it didn't work. (laughs) He said that he speaks to Jerry every week and he wishes people who would uh, keep the energy for James Charles that they do for Jerry, which, you know, okay um he says that he thinks it fish it was fishy that like in season one uh monica was so willing to help lexi with her nude photo scandal but not jerry now this is where you lose me because those are two very different things in this case jerry's not a victim he is the perpetrator and she was a victim of somebody trying to spread sexual pictures of her as a minor, whereas Jerry was actively seeking those from other people. So very different story, Ladarius. We'll move on. Um, He goes on to say that there was an incident where Monica drug tested the whole team because of a quote lingering smell and then cussed everybody out and called them low lives. 
But in the end, nobody ended up testing positive for, I'm guessing, weed. Um, He also mentions that he and Gabby used to fuck (laughs) a lot. And that's cool. Um, He says that he left Navarro because they physically abused him and spread lies about him. So again, this is four months after he was kind of like, let's just make up. I'm sorry for what I said to Monica. And then he says, I end it with saying he said that he will not be satisfied until Monica stops coaching. So (laughs) there we go. Things didn't work out between Monica and Ladarius. I think that's safe to say. (laughs) Okay. I would be remiss if I did not mention one of the greatest scenes, probably one of the greatest scenes from the series, aside from the one where in season one, one of the male cheerleaders from Navarro says that he learned about this inspirational quote at a Bubba Gump shrimp that he went to. Um, This was second, but a close second in which (laughs) TVCC, like this is Texas through and through. (laughs) We're leading up to Daytona. TVCC is doing like, you know, they've really firmed up their choreo for the performance for the competition. And they're now like doing kind of like dress rehearsals. Right. So (laughs) they did the routine in front of like as an opening act for a church sermon. We're talking like in a basketball court church sermon, like, Lord, I lift your name on high kind of church, right? So the pastor is like doing this intro to the cheerleaders, like trying to tie in the connection between cheering for Jesus and how these cheerleaders are going to help us like bring Christ in the room. (laughs) And then you're like, do, 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 do. Like all this like cheerleading music, like it was beyond parody. They do their competition and they're like, yeah, like nothing about Jesus, just just doing the just doing the routine right <laughs> so then they're done and you realize that like 70% of the people for this church sermon were like coaches and people going to watch the the cheerleading routine so the routine's gone Jesus has left the cheerleading has left the building most of the congregation has left Jesus is probably still there i'm not sure but everybody else left there's like three people in the stand still <laughs> And like, they're starting to do their gospel music. And as they're doing it, because the performance didn't go well, okay, did not go well. So as they're doing it, they're like, rolling up the mats, they're cursing at each other, like, you fucked up, you fucked up. (laughs) While like, Lord, I lift your name on high, like playing, it's like, fuck you. (laughs) Stop yelling, get out on the get on the back like stop yelling it it's so funny <laughs> i loved it the least holy thing after bringing in christ through cheer unbelievable so as you all know navarro didn't win tvcc ends up winning personally when i watch this i felt like of course navarro didn't win they were not going to let that happen the judges were not going to let navarro ha- win you guys it wasn't going to happen doesn't matter if their routine was so much better than tvcc i just know that these things can be suggestive subjective and the judges can be very petty and i knew i knew like i know that they didn't win because this happened months ago but like i also just the way that they were filming us made it seem like navarro knew that they weren't going to win they knew that they weren't going to win. They were like doing their numbers game. And they're like, maybe if we do this, you know, 
but it didn't happen. TVCC ends up winning. I don't know. I, I really wasn't that connected to the team, even though there were so many, like, those siblings who were tumblers um, that were just, like, unbelievable, but, like, way, also wasting their talent. Like, they're, like, one of the, oh, I can't remember. Was her name Angel, I think? Angel Rice. They're, like, oh, she's, like, the Simone Biles of Tumble. And basically, like, she's out here doing things, but they have to, like... They can't let them do what these kids like. These su- kids are super talented, but they can't do the things that they're really good at doing because they're illegal. <laughs> these are illegal moves. You can't like you'd be disqualified. And these kids were really showing out on the mat. Um, they were showing this dude who could do a five twists in a row before landing. And it looks like nothing. But then they slowed it down and you're like, oh, his body is literally moving five times in a row in a matter of like a couple seconds if that and then just landing on his feet it is phenomenal these kids are unbelievable but I just didn't connect with the team I'm gonna end this because I went way longer than I thought I would with saying that I think there should absolutely be a season three and I think what should happen and I think what's going to happen so mark my words we'll come back if season three happens and and we'll circle back and see if I was right. I think what's going to happen is that TVCC is going to take center stage. Uh, Navarro is going to be like, it's going to be like 60, 40, like we're going to be 60% TVCC, 40% Navarro. I think we're going to see Monica talking about leaving and maybe she does. Maybe she's decides this is her last year. I think we're going to see like more of TVCC. Um, and I think they're going to get to Daytona. TVC is going to win again. They're going to be like the underdogs who won. Navarro's now going to be the underdog. Monica's going to leave. And that's it. And I actually think it would end up being a really good season. <laughs> that being said. Um, so yeah, is that all I wanted to say? I think so. Yeah. Get therapy, Capana. <laughs> 